Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And today we're going to dance into the fire, so to speak, uh, with not from, but just a view to a kill. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. It is the end of the Roger Moore era. It is the end of the Roger Moore era. It's kind of the end of an era in a lot of ways. Like, I think, you know, this is Lois Maxwell's final film, and we kind of almost get a reboot uh, next week, I would say. Yeah. To to a large degree. The James Bond wiki calls it, says that it's the end of the official, of of this era of Bond, because since Roger Moore is older than Sean Connery, and they reference things from previous movies, you can make a credible argument that Roger Moore is the same character. Uh But that sort of falls apart with Timothy Dalton when he's much younger. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, in License to Kill, they reference him being married at one point. So there's a little bit of continuity left. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel it's sort of like it's sort of like comic book or uh, logic where like the characters never age, mm-hmm. but they stay, but they're still the same character even thirty years later. Right, or like you know how Judy Dench is M, and then when we reboot with Craig, Judy Dench is still M. Yeah, that one I don't. There's no explanation for that. No. Um, well, Judy Dench is awesome. Because Judy Dench so, is awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, Judy Dench is not in this movie. Judy Dench should have been in this movie. That <laughs> would have been interesting. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Instead of Judy Dench, we have Roger Moore, or mostly not Roger Moore, on the slopes of Siberia. There is a lot of not Roger Moore in this, isn't there? However, before we get to the slopes of Siberia, I should point out that um, the lawyers have told me that neither the name Zorin nor any other name or character in this film is meant to portray a real company or an actual person. Yeah, because there was apparently an American company called Zorin that they were afraid would get offended. Oh, well. Lawyering. The, Indeed. The first and... Well, not the only disclaimer, because we're told not to smoke or something at one point in one, at the end of one of the movies. Yeah. At the end of License to Kill, <laughs> That's right. it, it gives yes. an advisory about smoking, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we find ourselves in Siberia, or... We're told later that it's Siberia. How did he know where to find the body of 003 buried in the snow? Well, he has that little, like, Game Boy beepy thing. Ah, okay, yeah. Here's what I don't get here. Like, he's... (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Roger Moore is making an escape in a fire truck. Well, he does that later. Well, no, I meant that's (laughs) happening right now in DC. Well, yes, but I'm just saying that's later in the movie. (laughs) Well, your sound effects are, are uh, a little early then, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> so, yeah, so Bond's going after 003, who is in Siberia, and he finds this little microchip thing and, and all this stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with the story. And I almost wish it did, because I think that that's an interesting idea of this EMP-proof microchip that they talk about early on. Um, but before we get there, we have to have you know, the classic James Bond ski sequence of not Roger Moore and a bunch of guys. Yeah, and I have some issues here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it sure is lo- lucky that Crevasse didn't, like, just, like, disappear into nothingness or, like, <laughs> the, 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 there was a place he could jump down there. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, after he steals the snowmobile and then gets knocked off that and grabs one of its skis as a snowboard... He goes from a stop to somehow going <laughs> uphill with enough force to knock people over. Yes. That's not how what, physics works. What in the Sean White is happening there? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, physics physics goes out the window here in a lot of ways. And then we also have the Beach Boys for some reason. We, we do have the Beach Boys. Uh yeah. I were the Beach Boys popular in the 80s probably was that they they, they might have been i mean they were i mean technically they're still touring but they're not really not the real ones anyway but i mean i feel like the beach boys are fairly timeless anyway Uh, okay yeah i mean it was cute when he's off in the desert and they're playing lawrence of arabia and it was cute when he's riding on his horse going into town and they're playing the magnificent seven but what are you doing playing the beach boys on this sequence here it was weird and We've talked about occasionally, like, the 007 theme and whatnot. But this this actually, when you take out the Beach Boys, this is one of my favorite action cues, I think, that we get in a lot in a lot of the Bond movies. Um, I, I love the electric guitar and all that stuff. It's one of the few times an electric guitar actually works well for me. But 
just I makes me cringe every time. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good. No. We see Bond take out a helicopter with a flare, which works reasonably well. I think the, this is some good miniature work here uh, with this helicopter. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then this iceberg opens up a hatch with a conspicuous... That has a huge jack, jack on it, it for some reason? <laughs> like, I understand the hidden secret submarine. Okay, sure. But mm-hmm. why does the hatch have a Union Jack on it? Well, I mean, his parachute had a Union Jack on it, and the the, the right. hot air balloon last week had a Union Jack on it, so... Is there, like, yeah, is there some sort of contractual obligation for a Union Jack in the cold open of a Roger Moore film? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you park your, your hidden submarine in the parking lot, you want to make sure it's the right one that you're going to go into, right? So... <laughs> I suppose. Look for the one with the Union Jack on the li- on the hatch. I don't know. He wouldn't want to get into the one that doesn't have the automatic bed. The automatic bed, the weirdly placed throttle lever right on the bed. Yeah, that's odd. <laughs> Especially because, like, she sets the autopilot from the control station, so you would assume that's where the throttle would be, too. You would think. Also, to be incredibly pedantic, there's no way that bottle of vodka survives. Oh, no. <laughs> And here we get 56, 57-year-old Roger Moore about to sleep with someone who's probably in her 20s. Yep. <sighs> hey, but now we get the theme, and uh, it's a good song this week. It's a very good song this week. I, I've i always liked Duran Duran. The whole opening wide. A sacred wine, a mystery. It's a very weird title sequence with Dayglow paint, and yeah, it just, it just feels very '80s. Well, yeah, everything about this is '80s. The song is very '80s, but in a good way. I would say the blacklight right. painting on the women is very '80s in a not so good way. Um, <laughs> yes, my my favorite is is the shot of the woman skiing who's totally on a Nordic track. I like the woman that's just ice in the fire and melting. Yeah. Like, what is that? Well, Why like, is that? Well, like, she... <laughs> well, like, the, the Nordic track lady gets shot with, like, the blue laser beam and turns into ice, and then she re- gets blowtorched and thaws out and turns back into the woman, I guess. I guess. Because they're dancing into the fire. Or something. I mean... Or th- something. Th- this, is, this is a great song, but it's definitely one of those Bond themes that if you listen to the lyrics it makes no sense whatsoever at all <laughs> and i'm fine with yeah. it i'm okay with that yeah it doesn't need to make sense besides we we get the line of view to the view to a kill in the movie itself we do i i kind of like how the, the the trope is subverted bond doesn't have a place to throw his hat because money penny's hat is already there yes that is that's cute this is our final our our this will be our last movie with lois maxwell's money penny yep I guess the only the only character that continues through is Q, right? Um, M. Robert Brown sticks around for the two Dalton films. We'll we'll get to it when next week more, but I think it was the right time to have Lois Maxwell bow bow out from the series. Uh, but at the same time, I think Carolyn Bliss is just cringeworthy as Money Penny next week. Yeah, I agree with that. I I do think yes. Um, because in the same way that it's cringy to see roger moore in this movie you know putting the moves on women in their 20s mm-hmm. it would have been awkward to have timothy dalton and lois maxwell doing the bond money penny dynamic it would yes after she leaves they really kind of forget what to do with money penny for a long time i think the only time they really did a good job of treating money penny in a way that was up to date at least up until i would say the end of skyfall would be in goldeneye when all of a sudden she's talking about being 
sexually harassed at work. They then completely go off the rails with Money Penny later on in the Brosnan era, but we'll get to that, I think. Well, they have, yeah, they uh, have her doing some straight up Reg Barkley stuff. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> Had to get a Star Trek reference in there somewhere. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so we, we're spending this inordinate amount of time talking about, oh, this microchip is the same one that we, you know, that special microchip that's EMP proof and all the stuff that has nothing to do with the story. So. I had forgotten the earthquake part. Uh-huh. I've seen this movie before a couple yeah. times, but I had it's been a while and I had forgotten. I honestly was thinking that in this scene I'm like, "Oh, okay, so Christopher Walken is going to detonate a magne- uh, EMP over Silicon Valley." Mhm. Nope. And that would have been a much better story. Yeah, I would have liked Still would have been just like Goldeneye, but it would have been a much better story. Well, this Not is... Goldeneye, uh, Goldfinger. Yes. Yeah, I mean for a while, I never really connected it, and I'd read it a few times that this is sort of a Goldfinger redo. And but watching it this time, I was like, yeah, I definitely see a lot of parallels here. Oh, it definitely is, yeah. Including the fact that they cheat this time; they're cheating at horse racing. Yep, but you know, both of them have a giant horse racing. They horse do breeding, you know, place is is Zoran's horse breeding place called Max Stud. <laughs> We'll never know. I don't think they ever say what it's called. Mm-mm. Other than that it was built in the 17th century, I think Something like that, yeah. By a guy who thought he was being reincarnated as a horse. Yes. Which is a neat little thing. Yeah. So here we learn that Zorin's company has made this chip, and there, and Bond suspects that's where the leak is. Mm-hmm. So now we go see Zorin at the horse races. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh... They're all hanging out, watching the horse races, betting on the horse races, spying on Zoran, Mayday, who Grace Jones, who's fairly conspicuous here, uh, as she tends to be in bit. everything. Uh, I was going to say, as opposed to all those other scenes where she's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, and that's the guy that gets tossed out of the, the blimp later. I never noticed that. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's 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 been he's around the whole movie. Because that scene sort of comes out of nowhere for me. But anyway, we'll get to it when we get to it. I appreciate that they're being that they are correctly British here, and that their horses are racing clockwise around the track because that's how they do I it. I did not. Yeah, I didn't. First, did not know that they did that differently than us, and secondly, did not know enough about horse racing to notice that there was something different. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that the makers of this film decided that because we have a very very old Roger Moore, we ought to pair him up with a very old uh, John Steed from the Avengers, um, and not the comic book because why have one old man in this movie when you can have two? Uh, that said, I, I like I like Patrick McNee in this movie. No, I, I actually, I very yeah. much enjoy his character I, in this I, movie. I like their scenes together a lot. We find uh, Bond meeting with this French private investigator who hilariously is named Aubergine, which means eggplant. eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back, yeah. I had to go back twice and say, wait, did they really say his name was Aubergine? Yep, his name is Aubergine, all right. We'll go with that. He even says his name right before he dies. He dies by um, deadly floating butterfly thing. Presumably poisoned. Yes, it had a poisonous hook thing on it or something. Right, because that, that injury did not look like anything that would be more than mildly inconvenient. Yeah, you would think, yeah. It was very fast-acting poison. It was, it, yeah. And now we have, oh, we should mention that they were meeting on the Eiffel Tower. Yes. And so Bond is chasing the assassin which will be not the last time we see Bond running around on a famous tall landmark. Correct. This movie. Yeah. And the assassin manages to get away with a parachute. Mm-hmm. And it sure was convenient that the elevator was going down at just that moment for Bond to get on it. Yes, indeed. And then Bond tries to hail a taxi. <laughs> and the guy's on his lunch break. Which, yep. okay, that's fine. But Bond says, follow that parachute. parachute. Like... <laughs> What taxi driver is going to be like, okay, sure, I'll do that. I swear this guy, they loop him about eight times going, oh, my car, oh, oh. Oh, oh, my car! Ah! Oh! Oh, my car, oh! And the um, way he says it, my yeah. car, my, my car. car. Yeah. Um, not James Bond driving this car has a very hilarious wig. Yeah. Also, I... 
I don't care if that car is front-wheel drive. There's no way it's, like, moving that fast once the back is cut off. Also, how long does it take to parachute from the top of the Eiffel Tower? Depends on the wind, I guess. I, maybe, because the Assassin... It's not that tall, though, yeah. I would almost I would almost think it's not high enough to parachute from. Mm-mm. But, you know, movie yep. logic. Yep. Well, no, it is, because they did actually do that stunt jump. Uh, yeah, oh no, that, no, that's that's definitely real, but... Uh, because they had two stunt jumpers for it, um, but they really liked the shot with the first one, so they told the second one not to do it, and he jumped anyway, because he, how often are you going to get the chance to jump off the Eiffel Tower? Mm-hmm. And uh, he got fired for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> because they hadn't cleared, he hadn't cleared that jump with the city of Paris. Ah, okay. Almost got them kicked out of Paris. <laughs> Meanwhile, James Bond completely screws up this wedding party like how was part of that cake still intact enough the, the top to part yeah i don't know and yeah and but the the assassin gets away in a speedboat which is where we find out that it's mayday mm-hmm. we find out that zoran's one of those guys that likes to get involved because he's driving the boat and we get m's favorite thing to do is yell at bond for being stupid this era is yell at bond for being stupid while in a car mm-hmm. this car is alfred rockley's car by the way oh really the Rose- okay not the-, the one that with bond sorry not the second car the car the car sinjin Smythe goes drives in yes okay that is alfred barkley's car ah okay it's a nice rolls royce yeah so now we we have a bit of a buddy cop comedy sort of thing here with mm-hmm. with sir godfrey sir godfrey playing his valet tibbet mm-hmm. who i guess their their routine is just to berate poor tibbet constantly again this is a lot of work for i don't quite know why they're caring so much about I mean, I, I guess they're trying to find out more about Zorin in general, but... I guess? Yeah, I'm not sure. I also find it amusing that at some point, that at one point during this, he introduces himself as Sinjin Smythe. James, James. Smythe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> worst... Well, we've, we've long established that James Bond is the worst spy in Spies. Hey, at least he didn't say, oh no, they got the name wrong. It's actually James Bond. It's actually, yeah. <laughs> he does do that at other times, but yeah. My, yeah, he definitely does. My, my favorite is in Casino Royale when he says, my name is Bond, you'll find my reservation under beach. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's mostly okay in that instance because he's just started, so it's not like his name is famous at that point. Right, yeah, that's true. Here's when we meet but, uh, yeah. Jenny Flex. <laughs> Jenny Flex. Jenny Flex. And so uh, the the really good, uh, the, the horse that won the race, Pegasus. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, despite not being a well-bred horse, uh, disappears when it goes into its stall. That's right, yeah. Dun-dun-dun. Where could it have gone? Well, we'll find out later, I guess. I guess we do, yeah. We'll just, you know, have a lot of other stuff happening in between. Yeah, this movie, there's a lot of... It takes a long time (laughs) to get to the point, doesn't it? A little bit. (laughs) I'm waiting! I do like how they have an entire, like, recorded routine of Bond yes. at his valet, though. That's good. Well, I thought this would amu- <laughs> this would make you very happy where we spend five minutes looking for bugs. Yes! Uh, I'm glad we're back to looking for bugs. Yeah. How many people would you have to hire to maintain an estate like this? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that as we see, like, like, seven or eight people sweeping the grass. I like the random guys wearing powdered wigs that just stand on, on like, corners of the stairs yes. <laughs> yeah this i mean this is a huge place in nor yeah this isn't even the one percent this is like a like a hundredth of one percent like i don't understand why they hired like all of the revolutionary reenacting people to carry bags and stuff <laughs> um it's like is this williamsburg i mean what what are these people wearing these outfits for but anyway bond's ability to hone in on an attractive woman rears its head again here because he sees someone getting out of a helicopter and manages to follow her all the way around the estate she talks to zorin and everything yeah and bond wants to go in and see what's happening but mayday stops him yep i wouldn't go through a door if mayday was standing there fair same (laughs) i find it interesting bond uh i like bond's uh sunglasses that can see through curtains Speaking of the 80s, um, those sunglasses. Oh, yeah. They're, they're something. So, was WHO a brand of sunglasses? I don't know. I have not heard of that. I'm surprised it didn't say 007, but... 
I was expecting it to say 007, <laughs> yeah. Also, what is that giant ring he's wearing? That's part of his Sinjin Smythe costume, I guess. I don't know. I suppose. <laughs> Bond does make it in, and he uses his very, very, very good carbon paper that can, like, pull what yeah. the last check written was. That's, like, that's that impressive. Was, yeah. I mean, I have checks that I write, like, once every three years that have, you know, the the, dupl- the carbonless copy thing. Yeah, and they same. don't work that well. I mean... <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> But his carbon, like, looks exactly like the check. Like, it somehow even has the printed information. Yeah. And that's, like, how did he do that? <laughs> well, and and I could be wrong here, but it, I, I seem to remember it also does the PDF scale to print function because it's a slightly smaller thing than... Because the thing he lays on top does not cover the entire check, but somehow it scales it down. Oh, you're right, it doesn't! <laughs> but it somehow yes. manages to capture the entire image. It prints it to 80 80%. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, this is this is some impressive tech. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Good job, Q. Yep. Yeah. We meet the or, the oil guy who's also really bad at secrets because he's just like, what do you think about Main Strike? How's that going? Like, in the middle of his party. Yeah. Like, when I first saw saw that guy, I thought he was Tom Selleck. He, he kind of looks like him a little bit. Yeah, like a little bit. <laughs> James Bond bumps into Dr. Mortimer here, and... I always think he's going to ask him where the bathroom is, and he says, I was looking for the bar, which is, like, the dumbest thing possible, because, of course, the bar is not there. The bar would be outside. But Dr. But, Mortimer doesn't seem to notice anything. Well, Dr. Mortimer is not the swiftest guy in the world. <laughs> no. No, he's not. Much to his uh, detriment later. Oh! That's right. <laughs> Clearly, I'm watching this as we're talking. Uh, the fancy ring has a camera in it, which I had completely oh, forgotten about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here's where we find out about the selective breeding and stuff that Dr. Mortimer does. And Bond is, of course, revealing immediately that he knows, like, why are you why are you trying to blow your cover, Bond? <laughs> oh, and he's talking to Zorin? Or... Yeah, and he's yeah. like, what about fishing? Fly, Fly casting? casting? It's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It would be amusing if you already thought Zorin knew and you were playing the dance that you do so often with Bond villains. Yes. But in this instance, Zorin doesn't know who you are yet. Because he's going to have to, like, type you into his computer first. Right. This is another example of wasting an actor, I think. (laughs) Christopher Walken deserves better than this. He does get to do a lot of his Christopher Walken shtick, but still. Mm Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken... This is... One of two movies uh, was uh, Batman Returns in the eighties or the nineties. I guess it was in the nineties. Probably in the nineties. Yeah, it was in the nineties. I was gonna say it's one of two movies in the eighties, but I guess not. One of two movies in the twentieth century where Christopher Walken is wasted as a villain. I like Max Shrek though. Yeah, but he's overpowered by the Penguin. He no. His death scene is also nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, we instead of Max Shrek, we get to meet uh, Tanya Roberts here for the first time. Who, um, I don't, I don't quite know what to say about her in this movie. Uh, other than that, I think she's the original Christmas Jones, let's say. Where? So, I was definitely getting World is Not Enough vibes in the entire final act of the movie. Okay. And they're like, in the, well, not the final, okay, the, whatever, in the mines. It definitely felt mm-hmm. very World is Not Enough. Yep. <laughs> so, Yeah. Well, although I suppose that means World is Not Enough felt very view to a kill. So, oh, when when he's down there with the bomb and Renard and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when I was watching this, I'm like, okay, I know I've... I, it took me forever to place where I knew Tanya Roberts from, but mm-hmm. uh, did you ever watch that 70s show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Okay, yeah. well, she was Donna's mother. Yep. Did you see the wedding show? The wedding episode, I should say, of that show. Yeah, I've seen every episode. Like, with her bridesmaids? Uh, who were they? I don't remember. Maude Adams, Christina Wayborn, and Barbara Carrera. I did not... Play, play, well, I mean, I watched that Played Tanya I Roberts' bridesmaids, which I thought I, was great. I did not know that. <laughs> yep. That is, that is great. Uh, it's been way too long. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I watched that... I watched that 70s show when it was, like, airing. Yeah, yeah, TV, right, right, so. yeah. So I wouldn't have been able to make those connections at that time. Sure. But, yeah, that that's pretty great. But yeah. yeah that, and I feel like, I feel like Tanya Robert 
uh, is it Roberts? Or? Mm-hmm. Tanya Roberts. Yeah, Tanya yeah. Roberts. I feel like her persona as an actor lends itself much better to the character she played on that 70s <laughs> show than the character she plays here. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of... When I say like she's the original Christmas Jones, um, yeah, because where she where I think I really struggle with some of her performances is when she's doing the explanation of the science behind what's going on and all that stuff is she you know that's just not something she is she does well in this movie I don't think. Before we get to that, they found the not so cleverly hidden button in Pegasus's stall. Well, Bond finds it. Bond finds it because Tibbet can't find it because Tibbet is the assistant uh, and not Bond. Yeah. And they find that they're implanting the horses with some sort of steroid injection thing, I guess. Yeah, it's a it's a chip that can like that regulates the injection of natural horse steroids. Okay. So it's basically like horse adrenaline mm-hmm. is how it seems to be yeah. how it seems to work like and because it's the natural stuff that horses produce, it, it's not detected when they test for drugs. Right. And because they can do it with the... Because Zorin can do it by pressing on his cane when he needs it, it's useful. Because if you just give the horse a lot of this, it's not going to help that much in the race. Mm-hmm. But if you give it at the exact moment, it needs to run faster. I mean, right. It, it makes sense. I'm not sure how plausible it actually is. But... If you accept that it can happen, it works pretty well. Sure. And thankfully, it's not a very important part of the plot here. It's still a better plot than the earthquake. Yeah. Um, We also find that, for whatever reason, Zoran is also packaging microchips in his horse stable stall palace place, which is weird to me. You'd think there'd be a different facility for that. Yeah. Tibbet is not that helpful, but... (laughs) <laughs> we get we see these guys getting boxed up. It's all wrapped up, Bond says. Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Mayday and Zorin doing, I guess, sensual martial arts, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, know. they were obviously about to bang when oh, yeah, the alarm yeah. went off. But anyway, she gets to bang James Bond instead. Yeah, because, uh, you know, she said she would see to him personally. Mm-hmm. Which could almost feel like Bond, you know, sexual harassment with him just being naked in her bed, but then she's, like, down with it, so it's okay, I guess. Yeah. This is also not the only raising drawbridge scene in this movie. That's true. You're right. They're, <laughs> yes. They like the drawbridges in this movie. So she recognizes Bond from the Eiffel Tower, which, mm-hmm. sure, okay. But I've tried to, I'm trying to figure out why they're so preoccupied with the person they think is Sinjin Smythe? Or do they only have, like, two or three people? Well, they can tell he's poking around. Yeah, I guess, but maybe. But, I mean, even before... Odd. Like, even before, like, right away, they're like, what's Sinjin Smythe up to? What's Sinjin Smythe up to? Yeah. I mean, maybe they have point. two people that are visiting. Who knows? Um, or maybe they ask about the other people, but we yeah. don't see that. Um, unfortunately, Dr. Mortimer has a very rigid way of putting his stuff away, because that's how they know someone was in there. Yeah, that's... I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. He would know where he put his... It does. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So now Zoran has Bond visit him in his office where he can use cameras to upload a very 80s computer picture. Oof. And... There's so much 80s computer in the scene. actually James Bond. Yeah. Licensed to kill. I love the Welcome to Zoran Industries, like, splash screen on this computer that looks like <laughs> a video game from the 80s. I, I feel like one of the notes that christopher walken got from the director was giggle well he's supposed to play a psychopath so yeah subject is james bond i like usually armed (laughs) we find out that uh in in grand bond villain tradition we're gonna go mess around with him rather than kill him naturally because why would you just kill him they also take a put a lot of effort into killing Tibbet here. Yes. They could have just stopped him from leaving. They, they could have. There was no reason to actually let him drive all the way to the car wash and then kill him. I mean, I like the scene. I think the scene works. Uh, it does, yeah. but why? Why would you do that? It yeah. reminds me of freaking Goldfinger when they drive the guy <laughs> Well, that, they're gonna kill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least here they just drop this... They drop Mr. Solo out of the blimp this time. Yeah. So they they kill Tibbet, but then 
Like, they're harassing James Bond on this, like, steeplechase kind of thing. And he has his henchmen there, you know, making the obstacles harder yeah, as soon so as he passes. have they done this to other people? Did they build this just for James Bond? Like, why would you have fences that go up in the air? Why does it have this ability? Yeah. Like, is this another video game thing where it's like, I want harder difficulty this time? I mean, it might be. I don't know. I've yeah. never... I mean, I can actually see how you might want to be able to do different settings depending on the horse and the or the rider's ability. Maybe. And eventually we get to the real cheat where he triggers the in, the injection in the horse and it yep. Bond loses control and tears off into the woods. Mm-hmm. And that's when he thinks he's getting into the car. Yeah. But, but with Tibbet and, well, technically Tibbet is in the car. Tibbet is in the car, but, uh, yeah. And again... Just think how much of this movie, like, Zoran could have gotten away with it if he had just killed Bond right now. Yep. I mean, they killed Tibbet first, right? Yeah. Um, but we're just gonna knock out Bond and push him into the water. I used to be a big Mythbusters fan when it was on all the time. And mm-hmm. Oh, me too. I, I almost feel like they had to have tried this, but, like, I want to know, like, can you really breathe the air out of a tire? I feel like it would be too high pressure. Yeah. I feel, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much oxygen would still be in that tire air. Would the oxygen leave? I, I wouldn't think it would. It would still be the same composition when it was put in. I don't know what kind of air comes out of a tire pump compressor thing. and I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how well this I think I think it's clever. I, 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 I don't mind it in the movie. I think it's clever. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that I would have thought of because I don't write movies. But like, I just want to know, like, is this even feasible that you could do that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. And here we find that uh, Zoran knows General Gogol, because General Gogol comes to chew him out a bit, and brings Dolph Lundgren with him. Yes, because Dolph Lundgren was, at the time, dating the actress who plays Mayday. Yes. Um, Dolph Lundgren does nothing except stand in the back and look a little confused, but he's there. Did you know Dolph Lundgren has a doctorate? I think I did know that, but I don't know what it's in. It's some science. It's in. Oh, it's in okay. some sort of. Yeah, he's like he's a big old nerd. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had a Fulbright scholarship to Matt, to MIT. Wow. Okay. But he actually he at that time he quit he uh, left after two weeks to pursue acting. But he then went back and got a doctorate. Excellent. Good for him. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. He doesn't have a doctorate. He has a master's degree. But still, he has a master's degree in chemical engineering from the hmm. University of Sydney. Interesting. And this was his first movie role, albeit a small yes, one, but yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was going to get his doctorate because he got the Fulbright Scholarship to MIT for his doctorate, but he, he quit after two weeks because he wanted to pursue acting. Okay. But he still got a master's degree in chemical engineering, which, dang. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, obviously never judge a book by his cover, but Dolph Lundgren doesn't look like the kind of guy who has a master's degree in chemical engineering. He does not, no. I mean, speaking of... In, 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 in a similar vein, the director Paul Verhoeven, who is well known for making movies like RoboCop and Total Recall and Starship Troopers, I get even you know so amazing movies, yes, yes. But let's just say they're very satirical and very smart, but they're also very violent and <laughs> everything. Yeah. He has Which a is P- why they're amazing. <laughs> he has a PhD in mathematics. Fascinating. Yeah. So just people you wouldn't think, right? But mm-hmm. anyway. None of them are in this movie. Well, I guess Dolph Lundgren is, but a Paul Verhoeven <laughs> James Bond movie would be interesting. I would watch a Paul Verhoeven James Bond movie. I feel like there'd be a lot of nudity in it. Um, <laughs> Probably, yes. We we get our repeat of your favorite scene in Goldfinger, where Zorin uh, is yes. has even even has okay, like it's not quite as bad <laughs> as Goldfinger, but he does he have the model. The entire... He has the he has the model that elevates he has out of the, the ground, model, you know? but it's not <laughs> quite like in designing the entire room around it, right? And he's also not going to kill all of these people as soon as he shows them the model, true. Which was my big beef with Goldfinger. He put all that effort into that model for no reason other than to tell us the viewer what was happening. True. There still was no need for the model, so I agree with that. But it's not quite as egregious. I was going to say, because this model doesn't tell us anything. Um, No, it really doesn't. Although these people get really excited about the model. And I do like, you know, this this guy who gets out of it, or he, or as Zoran says, he drops out. out. He wants anyone want to drop out, he says. Uh, So, 
Yeah, what I, honestly, I'm I, I'm impressed that he designed a you know execution ramp. Well, you never know when something like that could come in handy. I like how Mayday takes her glasses off when the door opens to let in the bright sunlight, and then puts the sunglasses back on once the door closes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting choice. And now we're in San Francisco. There's a lot of mustaches in this movie. Like, I I, I get it, it's the '80s, but there's like so many people have mustaches. <laughs> So Bond meets his CIA informant, who will later die because, duh. Because they all do, <laughs> if they're not named Felix Leiter. Sometimes even when they are named Felix that's, Leiter. That's true. Well, Felix Leiter never actually dies. He might get maimed and okay. fed to a shark, but yeah, he never all dies. Right, all right. So this is where we find out the backstory of Zorin, that turns out he was a Nazi experiment with steroids in pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Which, which may, means he has a high IQ, but he's also psychotic. I, I don't know if that's a thing, but... It's apparently a thing. Yeah. And now we meet the crab fisherman, who also has a mustache. A really mm-hmm. nice one, actually. Yeah, he, it's pretty good. Like, that's a real mustache. That's not a fake. No, no, that's uh, that's, but... that's the real deal there. And we learn that all the crabs disappeared mm-hmm. when Zorin made the oil pumping station. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which I'm actually not sure how that happened, since there's grates on the intakes. Like, we see a crab on the intake, so yeah. they, they're not fitting through those grates. So where did the crabs go? I don't know. I mean, maybe the the disturbance in the water, the... the who knows? Because he specifically said they didn't go somewhere else. They just vanished. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't anyway. just vanish. No. No. And then we find somebody has a boom mic and is recording this conversation. Yeah, because why not? Because <laughs> uh, the movie needs to be longer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we'll get to this person. So Bond sneaks in the... There the, was no need for that subplot. There, there is none, yes. none at all. No, none at all. But because Bond had to sabotage the intake to escape, they find the Russian who'd been recording them mm-hmm. and set a bomb. This is a shitty way to go, that I would think. Is, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I I like the way they they do it, where they just show like the the air the water flow meter, and it kind of fluctuates, yeah. and then it goes back up to normal. And like, it, I like it, the engineers watching it, like what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and now we have the Russian agent that Bond is going to sleep with. Not the best Ivanova I've seen on screen. We'll leave it at that. <sighs> Always a boom tomorrow. Why, why is this here? I have no idea why this is here. And it, It's and it, completely unnecessary. And it's one of those things where if you had asked me a year ago, when I before I rewatched a lot of these movies, I, would, I remembered the stupid jacuzzi scene. Because it's a stupid jacuzzi uh-huh. scene. But I couldn't have told you, was this an octopusy? Was it in A View to a Kill? Where, which movie was this in? I knew it was in a Roger Moore movie. Uh-huh. I knew it was in a, one of the later ones because he's old. But... Partly because this has no bearing on the story whatsoever. Yeah. No, it's completely unnecessary. It's really just... I guess it's just there for us to know that the Russians are trying to, like, find out what's happening too, but... But we knew that from the Gogol scene. Yeah, we didn't need all of this. It is clever that Bond switched the tapes. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I like Gogol's reaction in the car. (laughs) Yes. The bubbles are... Like, they both stare at the tape and then at each other. Yeah. (laughs) Bubbles tickle my Tchaikovsky. Ugh, oh, God. I know. <laughs> Main strike, giant question mark. Um, so now Bond goes to San Francisco City Hall to ask questions about Zorin. As you would, I guess. I don't know. And, yeah. Um, now he's gonna... I mean, this is where we find that the, the guy at City Hall is clearly at least partially in on it. Yeah. This guy, in a weird way, reminds me, and I know you've watch Chinatown now. He reminds me of Yelburton a little bit, the guy that works at the Water and Power who's kind of denying everything and uh yes. You know. Oh, the, uh, this definitely felt a little bit like Chinatown. Yeah, the whole where's the water going and all that stuff, yeah. Mhm. Um he sees Stacy Sutton again talking to this person after he meets with him and he decides to follow her home to this giant house that she has for reasons that's empty it's empty giant house yeah and he happens to get there at the same time that some of zorn's goon zorn's assassination goons get there thank goodness so like 
This is a thing that happens in movies. Do people in real life have shotguns filled with rock salt? I don't. Defense? Yeah. Is that a thing? I don't know. I've seen it in movies many times. Yeah. But I've never actually heard of someone doing that. No, and I don't know how that works. Like, do you empty out the shot from a shotgun casing and then put rock salt in it? Maybe you can buy rock salt shells? Maybe. No, it reminds me of, um... Yeah, and Kill Bill, especially, is the yes, one I always can, think of. Yes, Kill, the Kill Bill is what I was thinking of. Yes, yeah. you can buy rock salt shells. Okay. So, I guess, yes, it's a thing. Okay. I guess it's, you know, it's non-lethal deterrent. I don't, you know, I'm not opposed to that idea. Yeah. This is just a boring fight scene for me. Yes. I'm, I do I do like the, the, the bit with the vase that has the ashes in it. Where he keeps... Yes. She keeps using it, and then someone... And she keeps stopping them, and then she's like, oh, hell. And she throws it and breaks it over the guy's head. I think that's cute. Yeah, that was good. And then that's what makes she, them the decide to run away. a good fight. Yeah. Also, that vase was completely empty when she broke it on the guy's head. There were no ashes inside. No, there were not. No. <laughs> well, their grandfather might have been a small person. Who knows? Um... <laughs> I like how when she's picking up the pieces, the cat is there sniffing them like a cat would <laughs> totally do in real life. They really like this cat. This cat gets a lot of close-ups. But, like, that's absolutely what a cat would oh, have Oh, yeah, done. absolutely. It, yeah, definitely. The cat would have licked them so, up pretty So, like, soon. it works. Like, if yeah, there's yeah. a cat in this house and there's something new on the floor, that cat is going to be sniffing it. Yep, definitely. <laughs> so, no, that works. Mm -hmm. I, I like it. It's a nice little touch. Yep. Well, the cat's there so they can make the pussy joke later. Yeah. Well, it says pussy on the food bowl. Um, right. But then when they say James Bond is missing, we cut immediately to a close-up of pussy on the food bowl. Yes. Yes, we that's, do. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why Very subtle. Very subtle. they had to go with a double entendre. Is that even a double entendre, though, really? They had to go with an entendre. <laughs> I mean that's it's not quite as bad as Christmas only comes once a year, but it's it's not it's it's pretty in your face. Um, I thought it was wasn't it Christmas came early this year? I I don't know. We'll find out in a few I weeks. I don't remember. <laughs> we'll find out in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, James Bond can cook up a mean souffle. I mean, as a food snob, that doesn't surprise me too much. No, it doesn't. I mean, as meaning that James Bond is a food snob, not me as a. Food <laughs> snob. Uh, I am not a food snob. Yeah. But as James Bond is a food snob, mm -hmm. which has been shown many times, that doesn't surprise me too much. Yeah. How does Bond know how to hook the telephone back up? That's a great question. I don't know, actually. Because I can't imagine that British and American telephone interface boxes are the same. And this is not the way they are. So... Today, I actually work for a telephone company, so I know okay. some things about this. Um, today, they are still like that, but there's a separate section for, for customer access. Mm -hmm. That's just where the, where the cords that are where the, where a cord going, the wiring that goes into the house just plugs into a regular phone jack. Okay. And you can unplug it, and you've disconnected the service to the house, and you can also use it to test. So that's what they would have done today if they were disconnecting the landline but they also wouldn't have done that because they who has a landline and even if you do you still have a cell phone but that's what they would have done 20 years ago to disconnect the landline before taking over a house um uh but in this one like he's having to hook up the exact wires to the right spots and how is he possibly gonna know that <laughs> i i couldn't tell you i you you know more about phones than I do, so... Yeah, so basically, the phone signal comes in on certain wires, and then you hook up... Those other wires that he hooks up are what are going to the phone jacks in the house. But it's not like anything is labeled in this box. He couldn't possibly know where these wires have to go. Now, can I ask a very basic question, then, about this? Sure. Is that a weird place to put a phone hookup? Like, outside, of outside the bedroom window on the second floor? On the second floor? Yes, that is a very weird place okay. to put a phone. <laughs> okay. Because you I think mean, you want the technician to have access, right? House. Yeah. Right, and what's weird is the wiring is coming from the from below because you can see the uh, you can see the, the conduit going up to the bottom of the box. So, 
it's coming from underground to begin with, mm-hmm. but they still put it on the second floor for some reason. Yeah, that is a that is a weird place to put the phone. It is typically on the first floor, yes, where a technician can access it. Like, I know mine is just outside. I know exactly where mine is, and yes, it's outside on the first floor. And I'm, I would imagine yours is as well. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's there so that, you know, he can go outside and then come in into her bedroom expecting certain things to happen and yes. finding her asleep in bed. for the movie, bed. it makes perfect yeah. sense. And, but for real life, no. That's yeah, not no. where you put the... <laughs> and I, and I'm, I will say, I appreciate the fact that, you know, he, like, tucks her into bed and then goes and sleeps in the chair and all that. He, he doesn't do anything creepy like James Bond sometimes does in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that a little bit. We get to see a close-up of her uh, Apple II computer, which is another very 80s touch here. Uh, mm-hmm. This is when I think they're going to go back and confront the guy in City Hall, and she gets fired over it for bringing facts, which is totally not relatable to today's world. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> but this is when we bring David Yip in, and I, I apologize, I've already forgotten his character's name, I just know the actor's name is David Yip, so... Yeah, he has a name. He does have a name, uh, but I forget what it is. It is Chuck Lee. Chuck Lee. Okay, they were they were they were trying really hard when they named him. Uh, so I'm not certain. I don't actually know if flooding a fault line would cause it to do anything. Uh, that I'm not sure of. Right. Um, later in the movie, we talk about how Zoran is blowing up the geological, the key geological lock. That prevents mm-hmm. both faults from moving at the same time. Yep. And that sure sounded like BS to me. And yeah. I googled it and couldn't find anything. So yes, it is BS. Well, I mean, it's 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 BS in the way that that Renard has a bullet moving through his medulla oblongata, killing off his senses. I guess you know, like <laughs> to bring back <laughs> the world is not enough again, which is a movie I enjoy. Yes. But they're just I do too. There's a lot of not science in in those movie in all these movies, mm-hmm. but they go sniffing around City Hall at night and get caught by Zoran and Mayday, and they go and this this guy Howe works really late apparently because I I don't know a single government person that works this late into the night, but anyway we also do see um this is when Chuck Lee dies yes we see him get strangled in his car yeah uh also. I think it was earlier, but when they were in the in the car, we heard a radio announcement talking about how there's um how it's good air quality in San Francisco today. Uh huh. Which I found especially amusing, given when we are recording this. Yes, not today. So for listeners who won't know, because this will be released months later, uh, we're recording <laughs> recording this in <laughs> September of 2020 when like the entire state of California is on fire. Mm-hmm. And uh air quality is well, it's not great. It's it's in not California right it now. It is not good air quality in the Bay Area. No. <laughs> no. It was there were a couple days last week that there were some photos where basically the entire atmosphere was orange in That's San Francisco. Mildly terrifying actually. Yeah. It was. I mean, to see the pictures, I'm not, I'm, I'm not over there. I'm on, I'm on the East Coast. But even that is scary because this week our skies have been sort of whitish gray, mm-hmm. even though there's no clouds, because it's from the smoke on the West Coast. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, back to uh, 1980s. Speaking of smoke, they're going to set the building on fire here. <laughs> yes, quite. Giant Molotov cocktail with a bottle of Bacardi rum here. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... That was different. Yeah. So, yeah, this is where we, we see more of Zoran being a psychopath. He just kills his guy in City Hall and yep. sets up the... This guy's not very swift when he, when he's he's talking through the whole thing and then the guy's like, wait, so that means I have to be dead. And he shoots the guy. And Yeah. So, yet again, just kill Bond. Yep. There's no reason you couldn't have him be shot and then set the building on fire but no so bond manages to escape because he's bond of course and i do find it amusing that we get a crescendo of the theme music when bond is climbing down the ladder off the burning 
City Hall, mm-hmm. and it's the part where the music goes dance into the fire, but he's clearly, you know, <laughs> trying to get away from the fire. At point. <laughs> well done. No, I, I like this this theme song because they use it a lot in different ways, and I think it works mm-hmm. really well. They they play a really it nice version work, of it yeah. um, when they're having dinner, and it's a very kind of slow romantic version of it that it works really well. So it's a very versatile uh, piece of music, I think. a chief of police who i'm pretty sure has only ever played cops in his entire career yeah he he looks like generic cop he he reminds me of carmine from die hard 2 a little bit just because he's a fat bit, and obstinate yeah. um i mean it's, he's no dennis I mean, franz but no he's, he's definitely not dennis actor, franz but, but yeah he has played cops i looked him yes. up he's played various cops in different things and they're probably all idiots oh i'm sure but bond gets away in a hook and ladder truck and of course he has to go climb out on the outside we get yet another boring chase scene yeah i mean i think part of the problem is that we have we cut from this truck some of it's a miniature because you can definitely tell it's like a like a stop motion person hanging on the outside of it uh to roger moore in front of a rear projection or a blue screen that isn't convincing in any way uh (laughs) It's more convincing well, than some of the previous ones, but true. yeah, it's not great. Lot, lots of not Roger Moore um, that we see. <laughs> we get the couple that was sleeping in the back of their car. Yeah. It, for we, some we, reason. We, we, we stay on them for a long time. And then the cop like yeah. looks at them and smiles or something weird. This kind of reminds me a little bit of that stupid chase scene in Diamonds Are Forever. With all the cop cars. Yes. Oh, that's what it exactly reminded me of, which yeah. I also didn't like. No. <laughs> uh, we get another drawbridge. Yep. And, like, is there no way to stop the drawbridge from going up once it's started, I guess? I guess not. Oh, and this is where we get, and, and I'll find the actual clip of it because it'll sound better, but we get lots of James of Roger Moore making his, like, oh, sound, like, over and over again. Um, and we get it again later yeah. when the, the, it's sort of the Roger Moore version of the pain face, uh, that Pierce <laughs> Brosnan does. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. This just goes on for a long time. It isn't particularly exciting, even with the couple that were sleeping in the back of the truck. Yeah. So eventually, so Bond does get away because of the drawbridge though. And we see mm-hmm. him coming to the mine where Zoran's people have been working. I enjoy that you can just drive a fire truck to this mine without consequences. Apparently. Yeah. And, like, no one thinks anything weird about the fire truck driving to the mine either. Yeah. Like, the people, like, he drives right past the gate and they're just like, okay. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like how he, like, tricks that guy into checking to see if there's a fire yeah. at his rear end. And then On your rear end. And- yeah. Yeah, that was good. I mean, this guy's an idiot, but and I, still. I like the when they get stopped at the gate, and it's like, no, you need a hard hat. That was good, too. Yeah, yeah. The whole, uh, it's women's lib, they're taking over the Teamsters part. <laughs> yeah, well. Although, yeah, she is wearing high heels. She is wearing high heels, which is a poor, I think that's a bad decision. Uh, she wears yes. those heels throughout the rest of the movie. 
Uh, she doesn't even take them off when she's trying to climb the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. That's my big complaint with those high heels. Reminds me a little bit of Romancing the Stone, which I'm now guessing you haven't, I haven't seen. seen. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, Kathleen Turner is this writer who's looking for her sister in Colombia and she runs into Michael Douglas and they're in this jungle and she has these heels on and eventually he gets frustrated and he takes the heels off and takes a machete and chops the heels the heels off of them and he's like well now they're practical um so kind of needed that but are they though at that point well, like, the I shoe's mean, not designed to be worn that way true it's probably better than heels though in the in the jungle but uh it makes me think of Jurassic World that's a, yeah, that, that works too. Because she wears those heels the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Man, that movie wasn't terrible, and then they made a really terrible sequel. Yeah, and they're making another one. Which is, it's probably going to be bad, but it has Sam Neill in it, so I'm going to go see it. So did Jurassic Park 3. We don't talk about Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the sequel had uh, Jeff Goldblum in it, did it not? Yeah, for like two seconds. I, yeah, but still, he was in it. <laughs> well, that 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 was one of the things that pissed me off the most about that movie was that you see Jeff Goldblum in the trailer, yep. and that is literally the entirety of Jeff Goldblum's involvement <laughs> in that movie is that one scene in the trailer. Right. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the, the sequel is the one where they're auctioning off the dinosaurs and stuff at the end, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. It was um, bad. <laughs> So, so meanwhile, really we're bad. we're bringing the bomb into Fort Knox. I mean, um, the not, not Fort Knox, <laughs> the, the the mine, the the UFO shaped detonator thing for some reason. Uh, for some reason. So and it's convenient that they have this map explaining what's happening. In the yeah, office. I mean, so we have what like twenty minutes left in this movie, and we still don't exactly know what the hell's going on. We have half an hour left in this movie. Do we? Okay. Because this movie is ridiculous. Okay. Um, but yes. But yeah, they find the they find the magical table map that Tanya Roberts can explain everything that's going to happen here. And we just get a lot of... We get a bunch of exposition here. Uh, we get some chasing through the mines. Get some stuff that reminds me a little bit of Temple of Doom with all the water. Mm-hmm. It also reminds me, this this scene also, as I said, reminds me a lot of uh, The World Is Not Enough. Mm -hmm. But I think they did it better in The World Is Not Enough. They do. They spend a very long time just machine gunning everybody. Like and, you do. Yeah. While uh, Christopher Walken giggles while he does it. Like he does. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact a little bit that this is when Mayday's like, the heck with this Zoran guy. I thought, you know, he, he was in love with me and stuff and he was going to blow me up, so I'm, you know hell with him it's a little bit sudden but i also it works can buy, though, I, it, it, it know... works well yeah i buy it yeah it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. because yeah she's i mean hell hath no fury and all that right and she would she is the type of person who what do would you think about the fisherman who's now in an empty lake why <laughs> yeah i know right why <laughs> That that is the double take pigeon or the elephant winning at slots or you know <laughs> oh, that freaking elephant. <laughs> but did you notice that he got all elephants on the on the slot machine? Uh Yes. I'm pretty sure I called that out. <laughs> it's the kind of dumb crap that they don't need to do, but they can't mm. help themselves doing. Yep. And and I don't know if it's because of... I mean, that was Sean Connery, but most of the, the stupid crap happens in the Roger Moore films. And It started with Mankiewicz and then continued. It, yeah. Is basically where you can, what you can say with that. Right. Mankiewicz started a trend that they then continued through the rest of the Moore films. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. The, so Zorin and his crew are launched in the blimp to watch the devastation... Mm-hmm. And I like I like the, the, the how, you know, the only way to get the bomb out is to have someone hold the brake, so Mayday has to sacrifice herself. Yep. And that she's, works well. She would she's the type of person who would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get Zorin for me is you know, her yeah. last words. That yeah. works well. 
And then, let's see what, they kidnap Stacy into the blimp thing. For some reason. I mean, they don't need to. And Bond grabs on. Bond has really strong hands. Yeah. And, oh, that TV aerial to the crotch probably hurt quite a uh, bit. Yeah, you would think. To the point where we get the Roger Moore pain face again. Pain face sound. <laughs> um, I think it's earned there. Yeah. And what was Zorin's plan here to, like, slam Roger, slam Bond into the bridge or something? It must have been. Like, um, like this was not thought through. No. I mean, again, he's a psychopath, so who knows. I just want to know, like, you know, I joked about Bond having really good hand strength here, but how long is he hanging on to this thing? Quite a while. Yeah, but fortunately, somehow they managed to mess up hitting Bond into the Golden Gate Bridge. And Bond ties the rope on the bridge instead, which means they can't go anywhere. Right. Even with more power, they can't go anywhere. More! More power! <laughs> so we get the r ridiculous... This this fight scene is dumb. Yeah, it is. I mean, it reminds me a lot of the original series, Star Trek, where you would have weird camera angles and two obvious stuntmen fighting each other. Because in all <laughs> the long shots, it's clearly not Roger Moore, and I'm guessing it's not Christopher Walken, because you only see him from behind. But Yeah. And Dr. Mortner is <sighs> going to get revenge with yeah. dynamite. Except he doesn't. He blows himself up instead. Yes. I mean, why do you have dynamite on your blimp? Why is he <laughs> fighting with the other guy over who gets yeah. to pick up <laughs> no, the dynamite I'm pick after up the he dyna drops yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. This is all why? dumb. This is all dumb. <laughs> I guess we should have mentioned that Zorin falls off the bridge prior to the dynamite. Yeah. Uh, for reasons I, I can't yeah. quite figure out how that happened. Like, I don't know. Again, it's just, it's not a well, sh I don't think it's a well-filmed fight, but anyway. But then we find out that for all of his heroism, there, the Gogol wants to present him with the Order of Lenin, I think he said. Yes, the yes. first time ever awarded to a non-Soviet. And yes. M is like, I would think the KGB would celebrate if Silicon Valley had been destroyed. And Gogol's, <laughs> Gogol's like, well, no, where would we be without it? Because yeah. obviously they, implying that they steal everything that Silicon Valley makes. Yes. I really like General Gogol in pretty much everything. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, but, however, James Bond has vanished, or is, is missing, or whatever. Um, and but... we cut to a shot of the pussy ball. Yeah, and cue the voyeur <laughs> and hanging out in his Winnebago. Oh, yeah, why? <laughs> what? There... Couldn't Q have just, you know, knocked on the door, been like, hey, 007, are you in there? They must have been trying to sell those stupid robots as some kind of tie-in or something. Or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. But no, we and, find... And, and Q... Uh, and, oh, yeah, she's like, uh, Oh, Drat, I've dropped the soap. I'll get it. That's not the soap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. And Bond is just cleaning up a few details. Yep. And, and the end. There we go. And Oof. <laughs> We find out that James Bond will return. But we don't know when. No. Nope. We, don't, we don't know where and we don't know when. No, we don't. And we never do again. I missed that. Yeah. I preferred it when the title of the movie wasn't a thing. But I guess they're, like we've said before, they're mostly out of original titles at this point, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this ending is bad. So, yeah. Um, so that was A View I mean, to Kill. Movie... Yeah, there's just not a lot good in this movie. No. Um, I still. I think... would say it was a thoroughly mediocre Bond film. It was better than Octopussy for sure. I think. Yeah, I think there are parts of it that are worse, but there are parts of it that are better. Like I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think on a, if you look at the standard deviation of quality in this film, it's all over the place. Whereas <laughs> Octopussy is thoroughly meh the whole way through. There aren't a lot of highs. There aren't a lot of super lows. There just is. A steady state of I don't care, <laughs> frankly. Uh, whereas in this one, there are some bits that I like. There are some bits that are really quite poor, but and and it's it's more entertaining of a film. Yeah, I would I would put this as an okay movie. Like yeah. it's not great, but I would watch this over 
Diamonds Are Forever or Live and Let Die or mm-hmm. Octopussy or uh, Maybe Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> yeah, I was I was about to say I don't know, but that's that's the hard one for me. Yeah, I'd say I, they're probably on some. I I probably put them around the same level, except this one's plot made more sense than Man with the Golden Guns. Well, this one had a plot. Right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great one, but it had a plot. This one didn't have Sheriff J.W. Pepper, which helps. Well, that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the end of the Moore era, I guess, right? Yeah. So it's the end of Roger Moore, but it's not the end of James Bond. But James Bond will return will... as Timothy Dalton. Uh, yes. We will return next week with uh, The Living Daylights. I... Hmm. Blanked on the name for a second there. 